0: Um, Hello, everyone. Lovely to be here. Um, So, like Alice said, we're starting a new series this summer on the Book of Proverbs. And when I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a a time when I was about 19. I had this job in the summer on a summer camp. And it was a non-Christian organization um, running this camp for young people um, all about employability and skills and, you know, that kind of thing. And as part of it, all the group leaders, we were given this booklet full of activities. And on it, in big letters, it said, the Youth Work Bible. And they said, any issues, look in here. If you've got any questions, look in here. If you don't know what to do, look in here. And I remember thinking, having, um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was a teenager, but when I was about 18, that's where it really changed my life. Um, And I remember thinking, they've called this the Youth Work Bible, and expecting me to rely on it in a way that I'm not sure I do on the real Bible. and it was almost like this non-Christian organisation had more respect and reverence and expectation of the Bible and how much it can be helpful for everyday li- life moments than I did as a Christian. So much so that they called this booklet that they wanted to refer to, for me to refer to in any moment of need or inspiration as their Bible. And I've had many conversations with people over the years about um, the relevance of the Bible in our modern everyday life. Can the Bible really have anything to say in the context that I'm living in, in the people I know and the issues that I'm wrestling with? And I wonder how many of us truly think any issues, any questions, any time I don't know what to do, I'll look in here. Now if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's worth knowing that although we talk about it as one book, there's 66 different books of different genres and purposes, We've got the Gospels that are eyewitness accounts of some of Jesus' first followers. We've got history books. We've got prophetic books like Isaiah. Poetry like parts of Genesis and Psalms. Among loads of other themes and genres. And trying to read the Bible without understanding that can get quite confusing. We might try and read poetry as if it's an eyewitness account. Or history as if it's wisdom. And today as we kick off this series in Proverbs... I want to explain a little bit about the context. So Proverbs sits within the wisdom books among Ecclesiastes and Job. And these three books, they work together to explore and provide commentary on the kinds of world that we live in. And how do we live as people of God? How do we lead lives that love and honour God, the people around us, and the environment that we live in? In essence, how do we skillfully live a good life of purpose and enjoyment? Now, the word proverb describes a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom. In the original Hebrew language, the word used is not just talking about knowledge, but it's also action. It's an applied knowledge. And there are themes that recur throughout the whole book of Proverbs, such as the importance of seeking wisdom, how to pick good friends and avoid bad ones, how to look after your money, how to know what to say to who and when, how to decide who you might date or marry how to spend your days, I could go on. And if you relate to my question about the relevance of the Bible in your everyday life, this book is a great one to spend your time reading and digesting the wisdom of. As Alice said, throughout this series in the summer, we're going to focus on different um, themes throughout this book and different people are going to preach on on those different themes. But a quick overview for for you today as we start this series The book of Proverbs can be broken down into different sections. So the first sections, chapter 1 to 9, are a bit of an introduction to Proverbs. Written poetically, and it's got 10 speeches from a father to a son. There's some poems about wisdom, where wisdom's personified as a lady who's calling out to humanity to rely on wisdom to make good decisions. Then chapters 10 to 29 contain hundreds of different proverbs with little short lines where wisdom is spoken about in the earlier chapters and it's applied to every aspect of life and then the book finishes with two other poems that look about about how to gain wisdom from reading God's word how to be a wise leader and what it looks like to be a person that, that lives from the wisdom of proverbs but today, let's start at the beginning, chapter one. So if you've got your Bibles and want to join with me, otherwise it might come up behind me. But we're going to start in chapter one, verse one to seven. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So as we can see in these verses, the book of Proverbs is largely written by King Solomon, the son of King David, who was the first king of God's people. 1 Kings chapter 4 tells this story of how God meets with Solomon and says, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, I don't know what you might ask God if you had a similar encounter with him. Maybe you're asking God for something big in the season healing, or restoration, or provision in an area of your life. In this moment, Solomon asks God for wisdom. He acknowledges the way that he feels out of his depth and asks God for a discerning heart and to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. And it then goes on to say, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people in the east and greater than the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite. Wiser than Heman, Kahol, and Dara, the sons of Mahol, And his fame spread to the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Sent by all the kings of the world, they heard his wisdom. So God answered Solomon's request and his wisdom was famous and spanned across many different topics. People were hungry to hear from it. Hundreds of these proverbs are preserved in this book of proverbs that we're looking at for the sake of our learning, for taking in this precious wisdom given by God. And as it said in those scriptures that we're looking at, this book is for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair. Now I wonder, would you say that you are a wise person? Do you live your life gaining wisdom and instruction? We live in a society that's increasingly suspicious of the wisdom of generations before us. In some cases, rightly so, there are many people both inside and outside of the global church that have been thought of as wise, as righteous people that we can learn from and look up to, who over time have shown a hidden, broken area in their life that doesn't measure up to the portrayed moral standards we expected, and it can be confusing and we can be betrayed and cynical. But at the same time, it can feel like our society, while demanding a high integrity of character from famous faces, is hungry for bite-sized, easy wins that can life-hack your way to success, to wealth, to influence, in minimal time with minimal effort. Now, I love a good life hack, and I could probably swap with you many of ways to add a few seconds to your day, or to stop you crying with cutting onions. <laughs> but ultimately, these are all about cutting corners and quick results. Wisdom is not just good advice, a workaround for a problem, or self-help mottos when life is a bit tricky. Wisdom is not about knowing a lot of stuff. When I first got a car, I remember digi- diligently reading up and trying to learn everything that I could ever know about what could go wrong, and including on how to change a tyre. I watched some videos, read all the instructions, um, what you needed to do, and felt confident enough that if I was in that scenario, I would know what to do. Now, some years later, my friend Ellie had run over a a nail and needed to change her tire outside our house. And I thought, this is my time to shine. I know exactly what to do. It was all going well, going through my steps, until it came to when we needed to take the tire off. Now, the instructions I'd secured in my head for this step was, take the tire off. And we tried so many ways of yanking this tire off, and it would not budge. We rang another friend to come and help us, who admitted that he technically also knew how to take a tire off, but hadn't done it before. So it ended up just being a third pair of hands failing at taking this tire off. So at this point, it was getting dark and it was starting to rain, and we prayed that God would send us an angel. He would send someone to help. And suddenly, this man comes out of this house near us, a big rugby lad, dressed as a zombie cheerleader, because it was Halloween. And he just kicks the tire in the right moment and it popped off. Now we, as the three of us, had all the head knowledge, but we didn't have the applied knowledge, the wisdom to put our knowledge into action and actually achieve our goal. And as I said earlier, this Hebrew word for wisdom has action attached. So this series is not about just studying or memorizing the book of Proverbs, although both are great things to do. There's something about a posture of our heart where we internalise wisdom. We chew on it and then we proactively live it out. Wisdom requires action. It's an applied knowledge. You might know what is right and just and fair, but is your life marked by doing what is right and just and fair? Wisdom doesn't come easily or quickly or cheaply. It often goes against what society tells us of how to bypass the hard work and get quick results or to give up if something requires too much effort. Wisdom cuts across specific areas of expertise. It shows up in the kind of person that you are and how you interact with people and the vi- environment around you. James 3 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them, know it by, let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So you might know lots about running a business or selling a product or making money, but you might not know anything about how to manage your anger or navigate your sexuality or respond to criticism or finding true and lasting happiness in the world. Proverbs is God's invitation for us to learn from previous generations of his people how to live well within life's complexities. Wisdom is a foundation in which we can build life on, brick by brick, one theme at a time. An example of my life, one bit of Proverbs that I've been meditating on this year is from Proverbs 3. It says, do not withhold good from those from whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbour, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. And this proverb's really confronted me this year. I've been trying to do a little life audit of my actions where I have the tendency to say, "Mm, maybe tomorrow on things that I have in my power to do. Things like my financial giving, where my salary had changed recently and I wanted to adjust my giving to church and missionaries that I know, but just didn't get around to it and months passed. Or times when I had a practical skill that I could offer to a friend, but I'm quite enjoying watching this series or doing something for myself, and I think, hmm, maybe tomorrow. And it doesn't negate the need for healthy boundaries on our time or our energy to protect our Sabbath and our family time and our rest time. But I found it a challenge as I became aware that it was easy for me to use those as an excuse to not sacrificially love my community, as Jesus has asked me to. And this is why we need to learn how to read the book of Proverbs properly. It won't take you very long to find an exception to a particular proverb. Proverb 10 verse 4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And there's many people in this world that work diligently every day of their life, but are stuck in poverty because of unjust systems and inequalities around them. While there are many privileged people that can rely on wealth gathered at the exploitation of others, But the exceptions are not the point of this book. Proverbs are not promises for success. The exceptions and the complexities are addressed in the other wisdom books, Ecclesiastes and Job. The author of Proverbs is not trying to give us rules to life. They're commenting on the way that the world works, on human nature and how to navigate both to live a good and fulfilling life. The Bible Project puts it, as the book of Proverbs is practical skills for living well in God's world. And the book, as we see in our passage, is written for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So in this context, those who are simple refers to those without life experience, people who are young and naive, perhaps someone who's gullible. And the wisdom in the book of Proverbs is to bring knowledge and direction to those who are still learning how the world works. But it's also written for the already wise, to add to their learning and their guidance. Now, all of us in this room are somewhere along that spectrum. Proverbs suggest that to do life well, we have to be lifelong learners. There's a quote ascribed to St. Augustine that's often paraphrased as the Bible is shallow enough for a toddler to wade in and not drown and deep enough for an elephant to swim. And that is the beauty of the Bible and the beauty of the book of Proverbs. There is wisdom in here that we can learn from when we're new to faith, new to figuring out life ourselves, but we will never grow out of it. There is always more wisdom to learn from. So if wisdom is how we gain a successful life, how do we gain wisdom? Now this passage ends with, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does it mean when we say the fear of the Lord? It's not an unhealthy fear of being afraid of God. Sometimes fear of someone has the connotations that maybe they're unpredictable, have a tendency towards anger or a confrontational but that's not what it means here. The Bible says that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far, he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father, he has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I put that in not knowing what Gemma was going to speak about this morning. This fear of the Lord is not that we can't trust him. The verse is not saying that wisdom comes from being afraid of God. Fear of God means a healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil and a desire to stay within the boundaries God sets out for us. It comes from pursuing relationship with him. If you want to learn skills in doing life well, to learn how to do conflict, to respond to people that are unkind, how to relate to people in your workplace, then we need to begin with our relationship with God that is available through Jesus. It's our relationship with him is how we get to know him better, how we get to know ourselves better, and how he created us to be. Romans 12 talks about being able to know the will of God through the transformation of our minds being renewed. This happens by choosing to live with God's definition of good and evil and living in relationship with him within those boundaries. Hopefully, you can see how this feeds into our discipleship framework as a church. That as a church, we are on a journey to live like Jesus. And we do through, do this through being with him and doing the things that he did. Because wisdom is an attribute of God. It's part of his character. It's part of the way that he's created this world to work. And it's on offer to all of us. James 1 says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God gives wisdom to all who ask. But wisdom is not a quick fix, a life hack for success. It is a deep, intentional way of living. So my challenge to you this summer, as we walk through the series in Proverbs, is to use it as an opportunity to do a little life audit. To allow God to challenge you in areas of your life where you're not living out wisdom like you could. To ask him to meet you and to give you wisdom. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. It could be that you choose to read one chapter a day for a month. Or you pick one proverb a day and meditate on it. But however you engage in this series, I pray that this summer would be an opportunity for you to reflect on your relationship with God. How are you doing in pursuing him above all else? How are you doing in living within the boundaries of his definition of how to live a good life in this world? How are you doing with living a wise life that is just and right and fair?